from Relay FM. It's the summer of fun, and this is summer episode fun. 206 of Upgrade. Today's show is brought to you by Backblaze, Squarespace, and Instabug. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snell. Mike Hurley, the summer continues. Boy, does it continue. Summer rolls on, and we have a hashtag Snell Talk question from <sighs> Brian to start this week's episode. And Brian wants to know, I like this question. So, Jason, you need to remember to put the frozen steak that's in the freezer in the fridge to thaw out overnight. What technology or app do you use, if any, to remember that you need to do this? Listener Brian, I'm going to blow your mind. Uh, here's the technology that I use. I don't remember to do it because I don't bother. And then I get out my sous vide immersion there cooker and fill up a pot with cold water and put in the immersion cooker um, and set it to the lowest temperature possible to basically not heat it, just circulate. Mm-hmm. And I put the steak in, and it's thawed in probably less than thirty minutes, mm-hmm. because with the circulating water, it will very rapidly thaw that meat. So I don't thaw meat overnight anymore. I use the immersion circulator to thaw the meat before, right? And then I cook it. Uh, sometimes I just put it at the target temperature and throw in the frozen meat and cook it sous vide. But sometimes I don't. Um, yeah, so that's my answer. I, I know what you were going for here, but that's my answer is I use technology to mean that I don't need to move the frozen snake steak. Frozen snake, snake. Oh, oh no. Oh my gosh. It could be. It could be a snake steak. Who knows? <laughs> into the uh into the fridge from the freezer. All right, so I have two follow up questions. One, what is your sous vide? You oh, know? it's it's one of the it's the Ananova. The Anova um, one or something? I don't know what it is. It's a one. I have the one that doesn't have Wi-Fi. It just has Bluetooth, and I don't use the Bluetooth. I find the app control of that thing pointless. I really just mm-hmm. want to set a temperature and press the button, and I walk away for for several hours, and then the food is cooked. Um, it, it is a lot of fun to do, but it also is practical because it does. Yes, it lets you. It lets you thaw the meat and it lets you cook it kind of like right there. And, oh, and I'm doing a lot of like I'm doing a lot of things that are uh, like. It's for dinner, and I'm home during the day, so I can go like start it cooking at one or two in the afternoon, and then by the time it's five thirty or whatever, it's ready. And because the funny thing about the sous vide cooking is, once it reaches the target temperature, it just sits there, and over time, it'll get you know, it'll uh, it'll the texture of the meat will change because it's you know, it'll it'll start to be. it's not done more, but if you've got like a tough piece of meat, it, it will become more tender. If you let it cook, I've done some things that are like for 24 hours. But uh, the nice thing about it is it won't overcook it. It won't burn it. So if you leave it for two hours or three hours, it actually doesn't matter because it only reaches the target temperature. It never gets hotter than that. They have a new one, a little, real little one called the Anova Nano, which looks hmm. really interesting. So I guess it just makes it easier for people. And there's just cool, it's just, it's cool science that um, circulating water around is what you need. The other way to thaw a steak, by the way, is you put it in a, in a bowl and put it under the tap and turn on the tap a, as little as it possibly can come out dripping into the bowl because that's basically going to circulate. And that, that's the point is that if the water moves and the water's whisking the cold water away from the frozen object replacing it with water that's a little bit warmer and that's, and that thaws it very very quickly yeah i want to get one of these i'm gonna wait for this little one cool. to come out it's coming out in the uk soon just cause i've had some i've had a couple of sous vide steaks 
and they are they have always been the best home steaks I've ever eaten. Yeah, yeah, they're they're um, it it, it can be really well done, not well done, like. It's well made because yep. you can choose your target. You can, if you want it medium rare, you you know you choose that temperature, and when it hits it, they're done. And then you sear them, and they're tasty. Um, and then you can do Brian Chen at the New York Times, who's a tech writer, but he wrote a whole thing about doing roasts uh, using sous vide. And uh, I've done that a couple of times. And like for twenty dollars of meat, we got like two steak dinners out of it for four. So like kind of kind of amazing. In fact, we. Uh, and one of the things we did there is that you we, we served one dinner and then I uh, froze the rest of it because then once it's frozen in a Ziploc bag, you can just toss the Ziploc bag in to the sous vide water and warm and thaw them and warm them back up to basically eating temperature and then eat them. So it's a it's a pretty cool thing. It's a kitchen gadget for sure, but it's one that I think has uh, I, I feel like it has justified its purchase and placement in my kitchen. Yeah, I want one of these things. I want one of these things. Uh, but this actually gets back to the root of the the question in the first place from Brian. So let's say that right now you do have a thing that you need to remember later on. What technology do you use? Like it, it's not like I'm going to give you answers that you don't want to hear. Which is okay. one, it's in the old Snellatron. Yep. Okay. It's just in my it's in, in my head. Hey, box. I need to remember to do that later. Which, as I get older, is going to be increasingly faulty uh, as yeah. a system. You've passed the warranty on that technology. I'm afraid you're going to love this. Phase two is I put an item on my calendar that says 2 p.m. Thaw don't the steak. That. Don't hate that because that feels like a calendary type thing for me. It's not really like a to do app type thing. Yeah. I, I don't like to put stuff like that in my to-do app. That's kind of where my I, big see, things okay, go. Okay, good. Then we're on the same page here, right? Yeah. Because it's it's not that I need to do it eventually or today sometime. It's that at in the early afternoon, I need to do it. So mm-hmm. it goes on the calendar because it's a time thing. Now, I use an app called Dew, D-U-E, for this type of stuff. It is like a very quick reminder app. And what I like about it is that when the reminder hits, the notification will keep hitting like every couple of minutes or whatever until you until you either complete it or you postpone it that's why i liked you because it will bug you so that's what i like uh brian thank you for that question that was a i think we went to some new and interesting places with that one yes if you would like to send in a question to open the show just send in a tweet out into the world the hashtag snell talk and as you can clearly see, it can be about absolutely anything. Now, Jason, I uh, want to conclude my iPad stand follow-up with a very interesting tale for you today. Okay. So if you remember, um, I have been looking at and looking into, we talked about a couple of weeks, this stand called the Tabitha Stand by a company called Colebrook. So I can never remember off the top of my head. Uh, the mm-hmm. company's name is Colebrook Bosson Saunders. Um, I don't really know it's much about of, this company. A lot of names. It's a lot of names. Um, but it's the Tabitha stand. And I remember I mentioned it felt like it was faulty and they were sending me a new one. They have sent me the new yep. one. And I have it. And I really like it. So the height, it's not a huge difference. It's maybe an inch higher than the Viazon stand but it is exactly the height that I needed. So it is at full extension, and it does lock on the full extension. There was a problem with the one that they'd sent me before. Um, it fits perfectly, and it and it 
is at the exact height that I need. Um, unfortunately, the the way that this this thing is set up, it kind of attaches in on the on two edges and then clips in on one other, like in the middle of the so two sides and then kind of in the middle on the other side where it kind of clamps in. Um, it doesn't fit with the smart keyboard attached, so I have to remove the smart keyboard when I put it in. Uh, I really like it. It go it feels much more secure to me. Um, even at full height than the Viazon does, like when I tap on it, it doesn't move. Like it is more secure than the Viazon standards. So I really like this. However, I've broken my iPad. So oh, no. now, okay, here's what happened. The, 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 st- the iPad is in the stand and the back plate is relatively small. The back plate is, I don't know, like six or seven inches that goes on the back. Then it has these extended arms that click onto, as I say, to two corners and then you do the other, on the other end, kind of in a, in a kind of a, the ends of the iPad. Now, I don't know exactly how I did this, but I repositioned it because you can also kind of like move it up and down and left and right on the stand, right? And you can kind of move it around and lock it into place. So you can adjust kind of what angle it's at, as well as the up and down height. I think that what I did was I was trying to adjust it too forcibly, and I've put too much pressure on the top and bottom edge of my iPad, because I have cracked the screen the whole way down. And the edges have those, like, semicircle cracks. Like, I think I have exerted too much pressure on the stand. Uh, Yeah. I don't blame the stand for this right now because i i believe with the way that it's cracked uh i had some kind of small break somewhere some like chip in it or something because it's way too clean for not that much pressure applied to it so you know i kind of just wanted to put that out there i really like this stand i still use this stand I don't think that this stand is completely at fault for breaking my iPad. I, I actually don't think that this is the case. I broke my iPad while it was in this stand, if that makes sense. I don't think that this stand broke my iPad. So it's 460 pounds to fix my iPad via AppleCare. Um, I don't get AppleCare on devices I typically don't remove from my home. Um, my iPad is still usable right now, and I'm just being careful with it. I'm just going to ride it out for another five or six weeks. I just have some... Very precocious cracks in the screen. Sometimes when I pick up the iPad, I can hear the glass. You know, like, oh, um, it is what it is. But I tell you though, I'm not annoyed about this. I have never broken a device. I've never broke a screen on any device I have ever owned. So I feel kind of fine about it. Remember as well, I have a second iPad, right? So I have both sizes of iPad. I broke my 12.9. Yeah, two is one and one is none. Exactly, I mean, but this is part of the reason for me. Um, so, yep. so I'm continuing to use it. I'm continuing to use it in the stand. I'm just being a little bit more careful. Um, so the other thing that I should mention, the articulation point has a little screw locking mechanism. So I think I may have had that too tight and I was trying to move it and I put way too much force on the iPad. So, you know... Beware. So what you're saying is it's user error. I believe it's user error. Fault here. Yeah, I don't think that having like I don't think that using this stand or moving the iPad around in this stand will break it. I think that it is my fault. Either I had a chip or I had some kind of weak weakness in the screen, and then I've combined it with exerting too much pressure 
um, on the iPad as well. So, you know, I, I think it is what it is. And uh, I'm when it happened, I wasn't even angry. I was like, okay, like I can still use this thing. I'm about five or six weeks, hopefully, from being able to replace it anyway. Uh, and I think I've done pretty well. My batting average has been pretty high at this point that I've spent like 10 years with these devices and I've never broke a screen. I've never even chipped a screen. So it was going to happen eventually. But I will say I do recommend this stand, but just be careful with it when you use it, which I guess is the same for most products that you own. I don't know. I recommend you get this, Jason. It's not that expensive. I think it's really good. Uh, I recommend that you get it and try it because I think you will really like this. It is an upgrade in almost every way over the Vizon stand. It's better made. A little, it's I'm, more stable. I, just, I, I feel a little scared now. <laughs> well, you, but this is the thing. You shouldn't because you know my story. So you will be more careful with this than I was. Oh, I see. You know? I see. Every time I pivot it, I'm going to say, take that mic. Well, yeah, you you just the way that you do it is you unscrew it at the back before you pivot it, which is probably what you should be doing, not trying to pivot it when it's in lock when it's locked in. So, um, I really like this product, and and uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm still using it, so I really like it. And uh, hopefully, Apple does release a new iPad in early September, so I can replace my broken one. All right, last piece of follow up today. It turns out that we scared uh, Elon Musk into taking Tesla private when we were talking last week about what companies Apple should buy, he heard our show and he was like, no one's buying my company. So now he's trying to, he's trying to buy it all back again. Yeah. Yeah. Hello to upgrading Elon <laughs> who had that yeah. moment where he was like, Oh crap. Even, even uh, the Apple could buy my company. Oh no. And so therefore he did, uh, he, he's talking to people about possibly taking, Tesla private. I don't think we have a lot to say about this other than to say that it was very funny that like the day after we listed Tesla in our summer of fun uh, Apple shopping spree, uh, Elon Musk said, oh, we don't want that. We don't want to do that. We're going to we're going to get out of this public company game. I think the reason being more than anything else that he doesn't like the rules that public companies have to play by. Um, and there, there's something to be said for that, that there, you know, I'm sure this is my feeling about Apple, too, is like. Apple would much rather never disclose anything, mm-hmm. right? But because they're a public company, they are required to disclose in certain product categories at certain points what they're doing. And uh, so, you know, they, they ben- get all the benefits of being a public company, but there are the, the drawbacks. And Elon Musk may be considering uh, if he can just exit from that entirely. I know that you and Stephen talk about Elon Musk a lot on Liftoff, right? Because of SpaceX. Um, but they're... I can't think of like a, a high-powered individual like in technology who's had a biggest fall from grace for me personally about the way that I think about them than Elon. I would say like three or four months ago, I was comparing him in my mind to Steve Jobs as like this incredible visionary. But I now think of Elon as like, he feels like a not good, dangerous, bad person, which Steve Jobs may have been, but Steve yeah. Jobs just didn't have a Twitter account. Like, yeah, I re- I really wished that Elon would stop tweeting. Personally. Yeah, I think that I I think there's something to be said for that. Because I, I don't I think, think you I think you may be right. I think you may be right. I think Steve Jobs probably did all sorts of infuriating things that we know of secondhand or long after the fact. Um, they're similar, but you know everybody is different. I'm looking forward to that book um, 
that uh, what's it called small fry that lisa uh brandon jobs wrote is coming out soon oh right 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 um i'm i'm really intrigued about that like i like she has a twitter account doesn't tweet very much she sent two tweets and i think the second tweet was kind of just like um i'm pleased people are excited about this like don't expect this to be some tell all thing which because it isn't it's like how someone in her position living the life that she led it you know, for those of you that don't follow particularly, Lisa is the child that Steve Jobs tried to avoid for most of his 20s before kind of owning up to the fact that she was his daughter. Um, and she's kind of written a book, uh, which and the reason I'm very intrigued about it is she is obviously going to talk very openly about her relationship with him. And I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see how someone who shouldn't like him ended up liking him and i think that i think that's going to be really interesting when it comes mm. out comes out in a couple of weeks beginning of september so i'm really i'm really keen to 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 get i hope there's an audiobook version i'm expecting there will be because it's got a lot of attention right and uh so yeah i'm really excited to read this i'm assuming you will read this because you're a, a voracious reader anyway Maybe, although I, I have to say, I am what I'm not is a voracious reader of books about the tech industry. Okay, like I get them sometimes, but I I rarely read them. Um, I was thinking about this the other day because uh, I never saw the Steve Jobs movie, the Aaron Sorkin one. I never, I, just, have I. I never, I never saw it, and, and it was one of those things where it's like that's funny, right? Like after all this and what we do that we wouldn't see it. And it's like, you know what? I, I just, well, I think some of it panned, is, do I, right? Like that. Well, was yeah, why. but also do I want to, do I want to use my personal time that could go toward another thing that's part of my job or something that is not part of my job. Mm. And it's, it's a difficult decision to invest my personal reading time. Cause it's not like I'm like, Oh, for, for work today, I will watch this movie. It's, that's just sort of not what, it ha how it happens. I, I read when I read and I watch a movie when I watch a movie and to have it be something like, you know, like this, it, it, it has to clear a, a, a bar because oftentimes I'm reading to do something different than the tech world. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not one of those people who's like, if it's not a book about the subject of my profession, then I don't want to read it. It's like, no, it's the opposite. Like, I'm not sure I want to read books about the tech industry. I, I, I bought Nick Bilton's book about Twitter like two years ago and I've never cracked it. So yeah, I'm more interested in this because it is somebody's personal story. I like those kinds of books. I like biographies um, in general, mm -hmm. typically of people that, that I enjoy. So I'm kind of interested to see what this book ends up like. Did not like the uh, Walter Isaacson book. Um, I did like, was it called Becoming Steve Jobs? Is that what yes. it was called? That The, the yeah. book written by those two business writers. Um, I did right. like that one a lot. That was a, That was a very good book. So there you go. There's some <laughs> book time with Mike who doesn't read and Jason who likes to read fiction. So there you go. There's Tech Tech Book Corner, uh, yeah. which is a one and Good done stuff. segment of Good the show. Good stuff. All right, should we take our first break? 
Yes. Let's thank Backblaze for their support of this show. Backblaze is unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs that starts at just $5 a month. You can sign up for a 15-day free trial with no credit card required at backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast. If you have anything important on your computer, you know, your computer where you keep all of your important things, you should probably have thought to yourself at some point, I should back this stuff up. At some point, maybe soon, I'll back it up. The problem with at some point, the problem with soon is that it never happens. You never do it. If you say to yourself, oh, I'll do this at some point in the future, you're not going to do it. Like Jason and the, the Nick Milton book. He's just like, I buy this book, I'll read it at some point. Some point never happens. Check out Backblaze today and finally get it checked off your list. Go right now to that URL, backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast, because Backblaze will back up documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, anything and everything that you can store on your computer, they will back it up. And once it is backed up, you can access all of your data anywhere in the world, even from your phone. If you need to restore one file, Backblaze can do it. If you need to restore everything, they can do that too. And if you don't have enough time to download it all, they can even ship you a hard drive that has all your data on. And once you've restored your precious documents, you can send them the hard drive back and they'll give you a refund on the cost of it. Backblaze have restored over 30 billion files. That is an average of 1 million files per hour. It's gimmick-free. There's no additional charges, no hidden costs. It's $5 a month for full backups. Upgrade listeners can get a 15-day free trial just by going to backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast. Go there now and get your backup system in order. That is backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast so they know where you came from and it also helps support this show. Like for me, I just uh, over the weekend, we received our wedding photos and I put them on my Mac and they went into Dropbox. Like, great, they're in Dropbox, but I need more than that. So they also go to Backblaze. And I feel safe knowing that my wedding photos now exist with Backblaze. I was like, they're good. Backblaze have got it covered. And also as well, oh, if you need business backup, you can already, they have another They have another product for this. Maybe if you use Backblaze at home and you think that you should be using it at your work, go to that same URL, backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast, and they have a business backup link at the top of the page. They have a whole suite of products there as well um, available for you, for your business, or for the company that you work in. Our thanks to Backblaze for their support of this show. Seriously, please go back up your stuff. Mm. All right, through some upstream news. Great idea. YouTube have created the YouTube device report to highlight devices that will give you the best viewing Hello, experience. I'm Johnny YouTube, and this is the YouTube <laughs> device report. <laughs> Johnny YouTube is now the host of Upstream uh, here on Upgrade. Uh, this first appeared during... Oh, I'm just sound- hearing that Johnny YouTube did something really unfortunate on his YouTube channel, and he's offended a lot of people, and oh, no. he's no longer the host of the YouTube device. Well, I never, liked, I never liked Johnny I YouTube in the first place, so I'm pleased no, that, I'm he, pleased who, that who does he away. think he is? I know. <laughs> Button in to shows. Anyway, uh, the, the, this first appeared during the Samsung Galaxy Note 9 announcement that happened last week where uh, this phone was called a YouTube Signature Device. Now, YouTube Signature Devices, which is part of the YouTube Device Report, uh, these mm-hmm. are devices that feature the ability to do all of these things, to watch 360-degree video, support HDR and high frame rate. They have reliable DRM support, 4K decoding, and next-gen codex so you are a signature device if you support all of these things which is all of the types of video stuff that youtube does 
There are 18 devices in this program right now. They're all, I think, Android devices right now. No Apple devices because of this next-gen codex thing, which is VP9, which is how Google supports 4K content. You may cast your mind back to when the Apple TV came out, and we spoke about this. Um, YouTube encode all of their 4K stuff in a codec called VP9, which Apple does not support, which is why you cannot get 4K on any Apple devices. This includes watching uh, YouTube videos on your iPhone or your iPad. They're all in, uh, I think they go up to like 2440 by something, something. Um, you can, so it's in higher than 1080. Uh, oh, is that true? They don't think, I don't what? know what they go to. They go up to a high level, but not 4K um, on iPads. So this is why, and this thing exists now, the YouTube signature device thing. Uh, and we're probably never going to see Apple's devices mm. on this because it seems unlikely at this point that they're going to add VP9 support. Because Apple has their own codecs. Yeah, I don't like, uh, I don't like format wars like this no. on, uh, on either side. I maintain my position that Apple should support this. So does a YouTube signature device have Johnny YouTube's signature on the device? Let's hope not. Because Is it like an autograph? <laughs> I hope it hasn't because he's already been shown yeah, I know. He's just been fu- support. He's just been fired. Yeah. Something terrible happened on a trip he took and, and it was there was a scandal and we just don't even want to talk about what happened to Johnny YouTube. So yeah. Do, what do you, how do you, uh, after time, you know, and we thought about this, we've had some time to think about this or not. Uh, do you believe that Apple should be supporting VP9? So I don't, as a as a user of these products, I don't care. And I think that's the important part here is I don't care. Just get it together, right? Like Apple and Google need to work this out. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's Apple. Oh, but because there's probably an argument on both sides, right? It was like, oh, but Apple doesn't want to do this because they are so invested in uh, HEVC. And oh, but Google can't do it because Apple, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like, I don't care. In the end, I don't care. I, I I am happy if Apple supports it. I am happy if uh, Google re-encodes stuff for formats that Apple devices can play. I could see arguments for both, that that if you make a, a 4K playback device and it's missing the codec that is used by all of the 4K content on YouTube, that you should probably add that codec. I could also see the argument that you're YouTube and you should probably, you encode to all sorts of different formats so why are you withholding this one format that's commonly available on this platform? I think both of those have valid arguments for and against. As a as a consumer, I just want it to work right, and it's really frustrating that it doesn't work right. And I, you know, I I don't know. I, I, in the end, this is two big, uh, rich companies fighting while consumers uh, lose, and that is stupid. So I hope it works out one way or another. But it does feel like they're in this. Um, intractable position right now where you know Apple doesn't want to put their Kodak on the devices and YouTube doesn't want to re-encode all that 4K video in a different format and so we sit here. Yeah, I feel like uh, Apple should support VP9 in the same way that I believe in Android there is support for the high uh, was it high image format Heath and yeah. HEIC or whatever that is you know like the way that Apple encodes photos and videos like if devices don't have that support, they should have them in because that's important for people sharing content. But I feel like the onus is on Apple, really, because if Google have chosen VP9 to encode their YouTube videos, it's a lot more work to ask Google to change the codec that they use 
than it is for, you know, I'm assuming yeah. for Apple to, well, to add this support to the operating system. And I think the argument that if I had to if I had to rule on this, if I was the judge in the case of Apple v. Google on this point, I think what I would say is um, Apple, as the maker of a device that is designed for 4K playback, should be making every effort to support all the 4K codecs mm-hmm. so that it can play all the 4K video that's available. And this isn't some rinky-dink streaming service that they're supporting here. Yeah. YouTube made a decision that they don't like, but but you're right. The result for YouTube is re-encode every single 4K video in a different format to please Apple. And could they? Sure. Sure, of course they could. I remember when YouTube has done that in the past, where they've done a, a mass re-encode, and over the course of months, everything got encoded in a new format. But here we are, like, Apple's making 4K. The Apple TV 4K is sitting there. And it can't play 4K YouTube. And that's dumb. And I, I think it makes Apple's product worse. So I agree that if if I had to pick, um, I would pick saying to Apple, you guys should just do this. Like, what, what, what do you care about more? The giving a little bit of a boost to a codec that you don't like, but is out there and isn't going away. Versus one you do like, which is also out there and is also not going away. Or... Um, or having your product not be as good because it doesn't play content uh, from one provider. Like, is that a failing of the provider or of you? Who's going to get blamed for that? And the answer is you're you're going to get blamed. It's your. Why do all the other boxes play this YouTube content at 4K and my and my Apple TV doesn't? Well, uh, whose fault is that? It's Apple's fault. I like. I mean, from a consumer perspective, I think that's what you end up feeling is mm-hmm. like. Why does one box not do it and all the rest do? So I don't know. Uh, it's I, but I hate it though. I would I would like both of these companies to get over themselves and just let people watch the content they want in the on the device that they want. Customer set would be off the charts if they had. <laughs> sure, aha! Uh-huh. That's if you're working at Apple, you got to know that one of your one of your slides in the in your presentation about sat. why you have to do something yeah. to to Tim is to talk about customer set. That's like that's funny, but that's true. Like <laughs> I think I right? suspect it is. Yeah. That's funny, but like if you are trying to sell something to him, clearly customer satisfaction is well, the thing you want to put on the slide deck. I mean, I like that approach, sure. but also if you're at a company that's as successful as Apple, saying, "All right, I want to do this because look, we sell a lot of computers, we sell a lot of iPhones." Right? It's like, yeah, I know we sell a lot of iPhones, but. Can you talk about whether this thing is going to improve our customer satisfaction rates or the likelihood that they'll buy another one? Like, talk to me about that. Like, I get it. I get it. We, we kid Tim Cook with his customer sat buzzword. But, you know, there is something admirable about trying to focus on whether your customers like the products you sell them rather than just that you manage to sell one to them. Um, but certainly on the inside, you got to think that that is like, you know, your audience, right? Yeah. Like, this That's is going to improve yeah. customer sat. Right, Tim? Right? It's customer sat? Yeah? Here's something that will probably increase my customer sat with Apple's upcoming streaming service. Um, Apple have ordered uh, a show from the creators of Always It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, the show uh, will be created by Rob um, McElhenney. I think that's how you pronounce his surname. I think so. Um, and Charlie Day, um, who play Mac and uh, Charlie. <laughs> his, name's, his name's Charlie in the show, right? I, I have no idea. Have you never seen this show? I have I have never seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, no. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. All right. Uh it's a it's a very good show. I don't you know, I don't know if you would like it though. 
Mm-hmm. I think is, is the way that I would set that. I like it very much. I don't know if you would like it. Uh, it is um, This show will be set in a video game studio and counts Ubisoft as a co-producer, which is really interesting, and I don't know what that means. Like, will they be working at Ubisoft? Like, what is that? It's actually something that gives me this. I'm like, hmm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like you see that you see creators of a show that's been very successful, long running uh, comedy on cable, and now they're doing this, and it's like, all right, another collaboration from those guys. That's a really good get by Apple. And then you hear it's set at a video game studio, and one of the producers is a video game studio, and you're like, what does that mean? Like, is that going to be like a really weird? Um, kind of forced connection or is it more that the creators had this really clever idea and they wanted to consult with somebody who actually understands it or who can give them assets or whatever I that's the mystery to me is this is this like a little bit of creative poison that will make this show kind of feel like gross and wrong or is it just a side effect of the idea of the show and until we I see am, it i guess we won't know i'm willing to to believe it's the second purely because these guys are very successful um and they probably have a lot of opportunities that come their way now i would be surprised if they would sell something down the river in this way right that that they end I agree up, you know they, I agree. It seems to me that I'm more like likely to err on the side of Ubisoft is involved for a really good creative reason that will become apparent when the show airs. Um, McElhaney will star in the show, uh, which is set to be a 30-minute comedy series. Now, if you've ever seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or know much about the show, this should answer any questions about Apple's approach to mature entertainment. Because Yeah, right? Well, I will right? say that... McElhaney has, I think, either has or is going to write, like, either the Minecraft movie or the Lego movie, or at least was signed on for one of those and is eventually not doing it. There, there was, yeah, mm-hmm. he is uh, announced to write the Minecraft movie. So if that comes to pass, that's clearly a movie for kids. So they have that ability. But I can't imagine him writing a 30-minute comedy with Charlie Day that wasn't mature in some way. Right. But it depends what route they're going to go down. Because, again, it's like they're clearly very good at that stuff, writing in that way, that they must have lots of opportunities to make shows like that, and that this show could be made on FX, for example, and be adult in nature. So yeah, my expectation is this probably does err on the mature side, which I think I think at this point, at least if you listen to this show enough, you would have a good sense that Apple are not gonna really be very shy about their content. I think that they've at this point signed on enough creators and enough types of shows, which would indicate that they were going to make some mature content anyway, right? You would expect that at least one of their space shows would be Game of Thronesy. In that way, mm-hmm. um, that or at least at least violence, right, was going to occur. So, but this is yeah. just another, yeah, another big signing for Apple. It's it's as if all the different streaming services are just doing a big draft with real money. It does right? feel to, like this to, to snap up all of the uh, creative talent they can. All right, 
it is membership time. It is that time of year. It is August. If you have listened to our show for long enough or any Relay FM show for long enough, you will know that Relay FM does offer a membership program so you can uh, give us money to support the shows that you love. And in August is basically the only time that we ever talk about that because uh, we do bonus content during this time. So if you become a Relay FM member, this is what you will get access to. There's a bunch of members-only exclusive things like a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter. You get 5K desktop wallpapers of Relay FM show artwork. There is a monthly Relay FM host crossover show that Stephen hosts where he brings together two Relay FM show, uh, hosts that are not on the same show and asks them some questions about something that they both care about. And it's a a fun kind of crossover. But the biggest thing that we talk about right now is if you will also get access to our bonus episodes feed. So throughout August and September, a bunch of Relay FM shows put out special content. There's crossovers and fun things. If you have been listening to any of these before, you've, you've been a member in the past, you will know that Upgrade and Cortex crossover to do a text adventure every year. We've done two of them. We are doing the third this year. It is called Space Station. It is a space-themed uh, adventure. It was previously described to us as hard. It is hard. Uh, we actually have a trailer for Space Station, which we're going to play at the very end uh, of this week's episode, so make sure you stick around for that. And it is going to be published on Friday the 17th of August. So it's going to be uh, this Friday, if you're this listening. This Friday. Um, but it will be in the feed. for you know, you wanna, If you subscribe now or you subscribe later, you get sent an RS, a link to the RSS feed um, so you can subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Um, and you can subscribe now and you can pick it up or you can pick it up later. And all of the previous bonuses that all of the shows have ever done are in that feed. So if you subscribe now and you want to listen to our Western and our uh, spooky versions of the text adventures that we've done in the past spooky manor and six gun showdown uh you can go and listen to those i actually recommend that you do uh go and listen to those so uh you can show your support for this show or any show um by going to relay.fm slash membership but if you do go to relay.fm slash upgrade you can uh, sign up and give your money direct to this show or you can support all of the shows by going to relay.fm slash membership um it is important to note that uh, we changed the URL of the feed that we use this year. So if you're an active member, you will have gotten an email about that. Um, If you've previously canceled your membership, you'll need to sign up again to get the new feed. Uh, If you have any problems with that, you can email us um, and we'll sort it out for you. Uh, But make sure that you have the new feed or please go and sign up. And I just want to say that we both uh, really, really appreciate your support. Um, If you give money for this show or, or any show, uh, it just helps. Like it helps us. Both me and Jason are supported. Uh, I am entirely, and I think Jason is in a large part due to podcasts. And a big part of that yep. is our membership. So yeah. it, it helps us. You know, it, we are obviously an advertising focused business, but knowing that we have a baseline of support that comes in um, every month is really, really important to us. So thank you for that. Um. I, I want to go back on a couple of points. I want to re- restate the idea that uh, you get everything from the previous ones mm-hmm. when you sign up. So that's a that's a great value. It's not like you're cut off from the previous two years now nope. of doing that. And um, you said it was very hard. 
And I that made me chuckle because I just listened back to the uh, the draft version of what will be posted on Friday and was laughing at how gentle I was with you guys. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was like, oh, man, I made that. I took it. I, I was so easy on the, on you, too. OK, well, because really say, it was harder. We still it was you harder. Know, we, we, it we, was harder. We, we did our best with it, uh, but it's definitely harder. And you guys are also, in some cases, you were your own worst enemy, because one of the things that I love, and that's why they're so entertaining to listen to, is that you and Gray are like, you've, you are worried that everything is going to be a trap. <laughs> and right. so you well... can, like some of the most innocuous things, you're like, okay, I don't know if we can do this, <laughs> which is great. So it, that part, I felt like you were making the, your own difficulty. <laughs> so I didn't need to ramp up the difficulty on my end. You, you, you took care of it. Well, so the thing is, this is PTSD for us, right? From from the original, from from Six Gun Showdown. But we were just like rolling through our lives, and then things just kept jumping out and killing us. So we're always scared that something's going to come out and kill us. I think. And uh, so yeah, go and listen to that uh, by signing up. So go to relay.fm/upgrade, and you can some pledge to give this uh, show some money. But no matter what you decide to do, no matter what show you support, you can support any show. You can support all of the shows. You'll get access to everything. So all of the the bonus content is available to you. Um, and on that note, every year me and Stephen do a Q and A because we do this in August because it's Relay FM's birthday, um, and we're about to celebrate our fourth birthday. Uh, in this weekend so we're going to be doing um, on this coming episode of connected so this week's episode of connected uh, is going to feature our relay fm q a so if you have any questions about relay fm or podcasting in general just tweet with the hashtag relay qa um, and we'll pick those up and we'll be selecting a large portion of those to answer um, on the show so there you go thank you for that now jason we have some breaking news <laughs> Um, face there was a new beta of ios today ios 12 and group facetime has been removed from the initial release of ios 12 and will ship in a future software update later in the fall Mm. Uh are we gonna see airplay 2 here do you think (laughs) well let me tell you what is your experience with group facetime well this is this was my initial reaction to seeing this which was to say I have tried group FaceTime a few times, and therefore I understand why they're doing this, and it seems like a smart move to me, because it was really buggy and weird, and saying, I applaud them for saying we can't ship this to everybody with the final version. It's still too weird and buggy, and we need some more time to, to let it cook. I think that's a good move, because it was, you know, again... Could you use it? Sure, but it was weird and buggy, and I I think it's a good idea to say we're going to put our best foot forward here, so we're not going to enable this feature at launch for iOS 12. Yeah, I think that it's a shame, um, but I understand, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you want to do it if you're going to do it, you want to do it right. The last thing they want is to do group FaceTime and have everybody's first experience with it be a disaster. Mm-hmm. And then, even if they fix it and say, no, 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 it's better now, everybody will be like, no, group FaceTime didn't work. It was stupid. Remember that. So, better to just take it out until it works better. And I think my my use of it so far has been that it doesn't work right, <laughs> really. Basically, I've never participated in a group FaceTime that was fully functional. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, it's, it's intriguing to me that they've said it's going to come later this fall. Um, I feel like should you 
should you say that? Like, you'll be real, real confident. Like, if you're going to say that, it's going to come later this fall. Right, right, right. You, you, you're, you're expecting confidence that maybe AirPlay Two didn't give you. I mean, I'm sure these are very, very different challenges, but it would be much easier to just say in a future version of iOS 12 rather than later this fall. Yeah. My only my only feeling on this is that they really want to use this as a way to to show off the next iPhone somehow. I don't know. Like I can't work out why you do it, but I guess we'll see. And I, I hope it does work because uh it it should be a very good feature, especially with all the Memoji stuff. So there you go, some breaking news. Jason, after talking about it for the last couple of weeks, you were kind of saying, Oh, maybe I should buy an Xbox at some point. You went out and bought an Xbox. You have an Xbox I did. now. I did. This is the the slippery slope continues. Uh, remember last week I said I bought a 4K TV, mm-hmm. and that met, led to taking a lot of furniture that we'd had for more than a decade and putting it out on the street with a sign labeled "free" on it. It's all gone now, by the way. They took everything. Um, but that meant you know. So we bought new furniture, which cost like twice as much as the TV did. <laughs> Um, and then I lamented also that, uh, that getting 4k HDR movies is complicated and that like the Marvel and Disney stuff, um, doesn't, isn't available on iTunes and you can't buy it on movies anywhere and have the 4k play on, uh, on iTunes, uh, but you can do some stuff on Vudu and you can buy the 4k Blu-ray disc, uh, and use the code and then that'll play on Vudu. And it's, this just kind of this whole mess. And I mentioned that 4K Blu-ray discs are intriguing because the bitrate's way higher than anything that's going to stream. Like streaming 4K, you're losing a lot because the bitrate just can't be that high. But I didn't want to buy a 4K Blu-ray player because that seemed dumb. Then I realized, but what I could do is buy a new Xbox. Replace my existing Xbox. Not go up a box. I don't want another box. Yeah, games consoles are always the best new media players because they're not just new media players, right? Like, it's not just a high-definition Blu-ray player, it's also a games console. Let, let's say, I don't love the fact that when I'm watching a movie on the Xbox, I have to pick up an Xbox controller and wake it up in order to play or pause. <laughs> That's huh. dumb. Yeah. Although I think it'll do infrared, so I think I can I can do infrared signals for that, and I'm, I'm going to program that into my Logitech Harmony. But it is a little bit weird. But you're right, like, in terms of not having a unitasker, like, I just, I'm not going to buy a standalone 4K Blu-ray. I, it's like, we got rid of our Blu-ray players. We just use games consoles when we need to use a disc. But there is a big benefit in using um, a 4K disc in that the bitrate is so much better than anything that's streaming and uh and that was that was enough so yeah um and and what happened was the day after our show i think a a listener pointed out that microsoft had just done a new promo where they were going to do a rebate Uh, basically you could turn in your old xbox or or any other console basically and they would give you money toward a new xbox oh and i and it's also my son had his birthday party last week um, and he loves video games. So I had that moment of like, you know, I could do this. So I took my external USB drive. I copied all of the files and, and, and settings off of the old Xbox and wiped it and went to the Microsoft store and got a, uh, and I decided to get the Xbox one X because I, my good. son will really appreciate the 4k and graphics and all that. And if I'm going to buy a new Xbox, I might as well get the good one so that it's got a nice long life on our beautiful 4k TV. Um, and I got, I got money back for the other Xbox one, which was great. 
uh, which I think I bought used. So like, I think, I think I did okay there. And that means that I can watch those beautiful uh, 4k movies and he can play games. And what I told my wife is the present I give to you is there's not another box in the house. <laughs> and she was like, Oh, good, 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 uh, good. Right, yes. That is a present for me. Cause she just, boxes. I bought another box and attached it to the TV. Like all the other boxes. She's like, no, 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 no more boxes. So that's, that's all done. So, so yeah, I, uh, so now we have the, uh, a newer Xbox one with fancy graphics and uh, it'll play my black Panther, uh, UHD Blu-ray and it looks beautiful. And, uh, yeah, that, so, but again, more money so that the TV is a bargain. It's nine ninety nine ninety seven. Did we say it's three cents under a thousand? <laughs> it has cost me so much money yeah. in ancillary <laughs> products at this point. I'm way over the three cents now yeah. is what I'm saying. Oh man, you just blew that budget right out, huh? Three cent budget's gone. And oh, what a shame. Yep. Um, do you have any real opinions about the Xbox? Not really. Um, like I said, my my son does most of the game playing on it. Uh, and so I, think it, he's gonna... I will say, like for 4K gaming, it is the leader right now. So it is it, it it outputs true 4K where the PS4 Pro doesn't really, um, or at least the games are in true 4K. The Xbox games are in true 4K, which I think the PS4 Pro's games aren't. Like you you do get a better uh, 4K experience from the Xbox than you do the PlayStation, is my understanding. It gets very deep into it, right? It's kind of like, I would expect it is pretty similar like to how 4K streaming to 4K from the discs is kind of what you're looking at yeah, here, right. between the PlayStation and uh, the Xbox. So you did make the right decision uh, in regards to gaming, but I know that wasn't the reason. But like, you know, you, you have at least got the best 4k console the problem that was though i mean part of the motivation was that it's got the 4k hdr tv um and wanted to do something nice for my son on his birthday yeah had this other interest in it that was set off by getting the 4k tv and wanting the the disc support and it just felt like oh well this makes sense that that i can make him happy i can make me happy and uh and he and his friends mo- you know most of his friends are playing on xbox he has a friend who just moved away and they're okay. Xbox buddies. That's a good so reason. So it's like upgrading sure. the Xbox mm-hmm. seems like a seems like a, a good way to do it. The only thing in uh, the only the only problem against the Xbox, which is a pretty big problem, is all of the really good exclusives are on PlayStation. Yeah. Now they X Microsoft are doing an immense amount of work to solve this problem. Like for example, they just bought five game studios. Yes, like, they did. Right. So like you know they're they're making a lot of efforts. Um, and I think their best effort that they that Microsoft have right now in making uh, your experience worth it is something called the Xbox Game Pass, which is like Netflix but for video games. Um, so they have over a hundred games, and it's nine ninety nine a month. And you get like a bunch of really there's some really good games in this, like Rocket League and Fallout Four, mm-hmm. Sea of Thieves. Doom. There's a lot of really good games in this. What makes it extra good is any exclusive, any Xbox exclusive gets added to the Game Pass the day it is released. Yeah, it's pretty huge. Forza, which is their big driving game, Forza Horizon 4 is coming out soon. Um, That will be added to this $9.99 a month pass immediately. Now, that's unprecedented in this type of stuff. You know, there, there there have been a lot of attempts at this in the past. That's really great. 
But again, the problem with it is there are not a lot of console exclusives. Uh-huh. Yeah. But they're, they're working on it. And Microsoft are really working on it. And they're trying to make it a better experience because Microsoft have lost this round of, of uh, console. They've lost in the console wars here because you've got... Sony's got all the really big exclusives and the, big, the biggest games, or at least they have all of the big games the same way that Microsoft do. And then uh, Nintendo have captured all of the mines the mines and it is believed that there have been more switches sold than there have been uh xbox ones sold sure um, or at least if that hasn't happened yet it will happen like nintendo just reported that they sold 20 million switches so far and are expecting to sell another 20 million over the next year and what's funny is that it just it has worked out this way that we have a switch and an xbox one mm-hmm. and uh so it's hard for PlayStation because, again, there's the no new boxes rule. Yep. So uh, until the point where we put the Wii U to rest, which is hard because we have such a massive catalog of games that the kids love to play even now f- the, on the Wii and the Wii U that play on that thing, that um, I, I think we, we're just not a PlayStation forward kind of house, and, and I kind of don't care. You so. have made the best decision for your set of circumstances, especially for the fact that your son... And his friends already play on Xbox. It's like, yeah. you should never have bought him a PlayStation. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> that would have been a very bad idea. I was just merely kind of laying out the landscape. But you have actually I'm bought kind of the in... reverse Syracuse, you know? Yes, I guess you are. You have bought into the Xbox at the right point, though, because Microsoft have now realized their problem, and they are taking great steps to try and fix it. Yeah, you know, so this is the larger point here, which is that uh, ha- saying, like, all right, Microsoft's going to take care of this. Like... I just, and I realize this is dumb, but as a longtime Apple person, I am just uneasy about every interaction I have with Microsoft. (laughs) And for no good reason. Like, I went to the Microsoft store. I've been in the Microsoft store a couple of times before. Mm -hmm. I went to the Microsoft store. Were you hoping nobody would see you in there? Did you wear a disguise? I felt like... Either a like spy mm-hmm. who who was going to be found out, and I did. I took out my iPhone. I'm like, yeah, but you know, come on. Uh, or or like a traitor. <laughs> like, why are you in the Microsoft store? You, everybody, get your rocks. Throw the rocks at the at it's the like guy who's terrified the traitor for, that Syracuse yeah. walks past. Like he's somehow in California. He walks past the mall. He was well, he would never. He, he would never. No, he, it would be like me coming out of of mm-hmm. uh, of the store with my xbox and like, no, bumping no, john, into john syracuse <laughs> and, and i'm like john what are you doing here and he would just shake his head and walk away mm-hmm. yeah that was playing in my mind really yeah it was it was super weird i did get to play i i played with the um the new surface go a little bit while they were getting me set up and that's that little teeny, that teeny tiny well it is a beautiful piece of hardware it's yep. like taking an it's almost like taking an 11 inch macbook air something that size or a little bit smaller and then again you know except it's a it's sort of like a tablet with a with a with a keyboard add-on like an ipad keyboard the surface keyboard is um and my thought is like i would love a device like this to travel with that's a computer and a tablet but it doesn't run either my preferred computer or tablet operating <laughs> system. So it's exactly what I don't want. Here's the thing, right? Like I have, but it, I've it been looks watching great. some reviews of like the Surface Go and stuff and I'm like really intrigued by it. What I, I tell you what I want to do. I want to switch to it for a week to like 
try it and like talk about it on this show or something. But I'm I don't want to spend a thousand dollars to do that because that's kind of what you need to spend to go all in on it right because it starts out cheap but it starts out cheap with a like super slow storage and no keyboard no pen yeah this is one of those those examples of where microsoft is willing to sell you something that is not a great product to get to that low price and Mm -hmm. then if you want something that's appreciably better you are now you know you're now going to it's no longer a cheap product but it is an intriguing product and i i think i am kind of fascinated by it and you know turning it to an apple perspective as i often do um i do have that moment where i think yeah but imagine if this was like an ipad or a mac with an ipad app layer or something like that imagine where this was the tablet operating system that i wanted or the computer operating system that i wanted uh but neither of those is actually true and um and when I talk, you know, I, I have not spent massive amounts of time with Windows 10. I, I haven't installed. I spent some time with it. I'm very confused by it because I learned how to use Windows XP, basically. And all future versions of Windows are like, wait a second, what's happening here? But I will say this. The, um, it, it is uh, the people who know about this stuff say it's still not great as a tablet. Like it's you know you can get around in the tablet mode but really it's a pc it's really still a pc and uh you know i'm sure microsoft is pushing in that direction that there's some people who like holding it as a tablet but like i like my ipad as a tablet i want it to be a tablet and a good tablet when i want it to be a tablet and then i want to attach it to a keyboard and get work done that way and that's that's a challenge for apple because they've got the two different operating systems that they're that they're trying to put together whereas microsoft is trying to get the context to switch in the single operating system which is a different kind of challenge but as as a piece of hardware goes it's great to see it because that's the kind of hardware that apple is not making uh because they kind of can't right now although maybe soon they could uh, but it was that was fascinating and I also got to spend a little bit of time with the surface studio which Again, I'm not entirely sure of the ergonomics of it, but um, it is kind of cool to have a big like iMac-like screen that you can just kind of tilt down and put your hands on. Yeah, it's so interesting to me. Like, and this is this is the case where you know I think I think some of Apple's success limits their ability to do um, little weird products and see what happens to them. That they Apple has so much success and and I think so much pride. There's so much scrutiny of them that um, they test a bunch of stuff in-house, but they're really conservative with what they release. And there are strong arguments that that's the right approach. But it is funny to see Microsoft just out there experimenting with all of these different variations of hardware. Um, and and some of them are interesting. Now, they may some a lot of them may end up being kind of a very limited appeal <laughs> to the point where for from an Apple perspective, it would be a flop. Uh, but maybe from a Microsoft perspective, it's uh, it, they can get away with that because they're they're appealing to that kind of audience. I don't know. Anyway, it felt super weird being in the Microsoft store. Um, it's never as crowded as the Apple store, but the people were very nice and they didn't know about the trade-in offer. And so I pointed them at the Xbox Twitter feed and they're like, oh, yeah, OK. And then they <laughs> calculated out how much money I got back and it was uh, it was fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, he, literally the guy was like, oh, we don't have any, I don't think we have any specials like that, but we can trade it in for recycling. And I said, no, you should check. You do. It was on the Xbox Twitter account yesterday. And they're like, oh, okay. And he, and he was like, oh yeah, here it is. Okay, great. And then we, uh, we put it together. So 
uh, anyway, yeah, it was weird. Um, and it, and not Syracuse approved, right? John's like, no Microsoft things in my house. But uh, for us, uh, especially, I mean, like literally with my son's birthday and not to get into it too deeply, but like my son's birthday party was also basically the going away party for his best friend who's moving to Minnesota. And they play video games together. So it was also a little bit of an investment in um, making that experience continue to be great. Was it a surprise? The game, the Xbox? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, we had the Xbox original, right? But mm-hmm. but he came home and we turned it on and he was like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, buddy. Yeah, and that comes with a month of Game Pass. So he's he's actually, and this is the last couple of weeks before school starts. So that's been great because he's got time to uh, try download, <laughs> download Sea of Thieves and try it out if he great wants game. to, which is kind really of fun. fun yeah. Really fun game. I like that a lot. All right, let's take a break and thank Instabug, the new new sponsor of uh, Upgrade here. Instabug is a lightweight SDK that provides more than 20,000 companies with bug and crash reports from users and testers. It helps them to improve app quality and iterate faster. So let's say, imagine, dear Upgradian, You've just finished developing your app and you want to test it. When you distribute it out to people, to your testers, you'll need to deal with a lot of feedback. And a lot of it's probably tedious or difficult to understand, which often doesn't give you enough data. Well, Instabug has super intuitive bug and crash reporting solutions. Their SDK streamlines bug reporting. So when your users find a bug, they can shake their phone and Instabug will pop up with a screenshot allowing the users to draw on it and hit send to you so they can shake it takes a screenshot, like this is wrong, and I can circle it and send it to you. That's all the context you need in a lot of cases. You'll then also get detailed reports on your dashboard with complete device details, network logs, and the visual steps the user has taken so you can reproduce their bug. Doesn't that sound magical? As for crash reports, they're all sent to you automatically along with a complete stack trace so you'll know which line is causing your app to crash. This is all done from your app with zero interruption to user experience. And Instabug have a great offer right now. You can get a free Instabug t-shirt with their motto, I squash bugs for a living, when you sign up and integrate the SDK, which is totally free to integrate. No credit cards required to try it out. So go to instabug.com slash upgrade. That is instabug.com slash upgrade to try it out and get that cool t-shirt as well. Our thanks to Instabug for their support of this show. I like that where it's like, well, our product is free to try, so we'll give them a t-shirt like i like that it's like well we can't give them a code because it's free to try so let's give them a t-shirt so do that instabug.com slash upgrade okay so summer of fun time you thought it had gone away it doesn't go away it runs mm-hmm. all the way through the summer but considering we just spent some time talking about a games console why don't we talk about some of our favorite video games of all time and i can see our list if you want, and this is going to, like almost, if you cut into a tree, you can see. <laughs> Are you saying I'm a tree? Uh-uh. No, because this goes for both of us, I think. For some of my, my some of mine, too. Cut into a tree, you can, you can tell how old the tree is by looking at the rings in the tree. Some of our video game picks here are like almost the rings in our tree where you can guess mm-hmm. our ages a little bit yes. from this, oh, yeah. I think. Totally. Um, so uh, should we do this in in almost draft style? We'll just go one each until we're through yeah. our lists here. These That's a great not, idea. These are not comprehensive lists, but I've tried to pick out kind of, uh, as I'm sure you have too, something that shows the breadth of our picks from 
all ages of consoles, um, all ages of platforms, and the types of games that we like. And I'm going to start off, which is probably, I think, I'm pretty confident in saying, my favorite video game of all time. Um, And I'm trying to adjust for recency bias, but it still doesn't matter when I do. Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm. It's the perfect video game, is why I love it so much. Um, I don't want to say too much about this right now, because uh, we are going to be discussing uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on Playing for Fun. It's going to be our episode, which will be out in like a week or two. So if you don't mm. listen to Playing for Fun, it's a show I do with Tiff Armament where we pick a video game that we both love and we talk about it with just the good stuff. We don't uh, talk about bad things on the show. We just talk about things that we love about video games. So, um, but, but Breath of the Wild is in the front of my mind right now because of that. Uh, I think it was really the perfect storm of game and console. You know, it was the launch game for the Switch. And the Switch gave me the video game console of my dreams, which was one console, the same games on home and portable. Right? Like, it was perfect. And Legend of Zelda being this massive world on this tiny console that I could play on a plane just only added to my overall love of this video game. I've played many open world video games. I have a couple more open world video games in my list here because I do really like these big worlds where you can go about and make your own game in. I really like making my own game inside of a video game. It's one of my favorite things to do in a good video game. And I've never played a game like this. The, the the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild has the most living world of any game I've ever played. You just sometimes feel like you're stumbling into something, which you never really feel with video games. Even open world games, they always feel like, oh, this is happening. But, you know, I've, I've, I've seen many videos of this, and it's happened to me, where you're fighting a huge monster, and you're kind of backing off, and then it somehow jump like bumps into another big monster, and then you fight each other. It's like, what is going on? This is incredible video game i love it breath of the wild that's my yeah my first in my favorite video games of all time i've not ordered the rest of this list by the way yeah i haven't ordered my list at all um so i'm gonna start with a great mac game so now i'm channeling my inner inner syracusa um there is probably not a game i've invested more time in than marathon hmm. on the mac in the uh in the 90s um this was now for those who don't go that far back. This is the game that the Bungie guys made before they made Halo, and it is kind of like Halo Zero in a way. It is it it is a first person shooter with multiplayer, as well as a story mode that uh, it, it led them to make Halo. It's the reason that they made Halo. The reason they got bought by Microsoft, um, and. It is, uh, I, I played, I think, most of the single players through. I, I, I'm not sure if I got to the end of all of them, but I, I got to the end of some of them. And then this was my multiplayer game of choice. Back in the day with Marathon, it was on a LAN, and we would just play at the office, at the, the Mac user office especially, 95, 96. Um, end of the day, traffic's really bad. Some of us couldn't really even bother going home because the traffic was so bad. And we would get on a conference call on speakerphone and hey, that's and, great. And then play. That's marathon. really cool. I like that. That's a nice memory of a video game. The maps were great. The maps that they made for Marathon were great. 
And then there was a third-party map-making app, and there was a map-making community on the internet. And we would download these maps, and some, of, most of them were garbage, let's be honest. But every now and then there'd be one and we'd be like, oh yeah, let's play that again. And the, my favorite one that was like a good palate cleanser was called Kill Fest, You Can't Run. And it was a tiny room full of ammunition. And it was just, it was chaos. It was complete chaos. And all we would do is laugh at how ridiculous the game was. But some of them were brilliant. The 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 way they um, they built it, the idea was that they were kind of like portals. Actually, a little bit like portal, not quite, but these kind of like permanent portals. So you'd have like different, different angles that you could go in when you stepped between a portal. And so there would be kind of like different worlds and you'd have to chase people between different worlds. Really good. Um, and I'll mention as an honorable mention that uh, that I almost, you know, said Halo 1 here, which I played all the way through on my Mac, and I played huge amounts of multiplayer on that, and at that point it was on the internet with random strangers for the most part. And those Halo 1 maps, I mean, I have them memorized. I love them. Uh, there, there were... And being on the internet on a server with people you didn't know uh, back in the day, that was revelatory because now all of a sudden I could play 8 on 8 team halo uh because there were always 15 other people (laughs) who were interested in playing it along with me and uh those maps were so amazing so that was an experience that i that i will uh will also never forget so just like a sort of some love for bungie right there um i'm gonna go with super mario brothers 3 um it's just an incredible 2d side scrolling Mario game. It's my favorite of that style of Mario game. Um, it's the one that I have the fondest memories for as a kid. Um, you know, getting the Tanuki Mario and then you can like swipe at things and fly. Like, yeah, it was that was my favorite of those Marios before it went into the uh, SNES, uh, the SNES. Did you see recently that that Nintendo confirmed that it's actually that it is pronounced NES and not NES? Anyway, they officially confirmed that in some exhibition somewhere. Nintendo does this every now and then, where they're like, oh, Mario's not a plumber anymore, or like, Toad's uh, head is a hat or something like that. They do all these, they just, they they have these like pieces of lore that they randomly confirm. Anyway, so Super Mario Bros. 3, I love it. It's an absolute classic, um, and I have such fond memories of that one as a kid. That's great. Uh, I'm going to really quickly go. I mentioned this uh, not too long ago, I think, on this show because we played this. uh, My son and I played this at the uh, arcade earlier this summer over in Alameda. But uh, my favorite arcade game is Joust, Mm -hmm. which is where you're riding an ostrich and you're jousting with um, evil. uh, What are they? Buzzards? I don't know. and uh, just the mechanic of the game where you have to be higher than them and you hit them and then you knock them off and then you have to pick up the egg that gets dropped because apparently when you kill a rider, they turn into an egg and then if you wait too long, they hatch back out and get picked up, which is super weird as my son pointed out to me and I never really thought about it. But as a result, you got to flap and you can go fast or you can go slow and there, there's a really good physics engine there. Um and it's it's simple, but it's also complicated. Things get faster. They start dropping out terrain, so you have to stay in the air longer. I love that game. It's my favorite arcade game. Um, my favorite iOS game of all time is Threes. Um, it is perfect when it comes to iOS games. I've been playing it for years and years and years and continue to. Um, if you've never played Threes, you should play Threes. It's wonderful. Yeah, 
I I've played it. It's great. Um, let me pick an Apple II game because <laughs> the part of what I do. Do you have any Apple II games on your list? Only four. Okay. Uh, this is this is we're into the inner rings now, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, I I played a lot of games on my Apple II when I was uh, in high school. Um, and my favorite was Load Runner, which again, like Marathon, you could make your own levels most of which were bad, but occasionally there would be a really great level. And it was, it's a puzzle game, but it's like an action puzzle game where you have to, you're a little guy and you run around and uh, it's 2D um, and you can climb up ladders uh, and you can go across like pits on a vine. But basically what you're doing is you're digging and you need to dig holes to either drop your enemies in because if they touch you, you die, but also to move to other parts of the screen. You have to dig, you know, dig a bunch of holes and drop down into a hole and through into the next part of the screen. And as a result, usually uh, as the as the mazes get harder, the maps get harder. Uh, it, there are very specific solutions and sequences you need to go in order to get through without dying. And um, it's a great combination of that. You know, action action puzzler is a fun genre. The idea that you're thinking, but you also have to move fast, and if you wait too long, you will uh, you will not succeed. And Load Runner did that, and I, I um, play that that great game to play on the keyboard. And I, I have that on a on an Apple II emulator, and I I call it up every now and then and play it because it's still uh, really great. And I I think actually it's one of those games that has been remade a bunch of times using high quality graphics, and I'm not interested. I want. I, I feel like it works like classic arcade games. It works at as these little low quality bitmap dudes running around on a screen, uh, destroying bricks with their little zapper gun or whatever it is. I love it. Uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I'm going to go for versions two to four because it's this, it's an iterative game, really. And after four is where it started to get bad. And I loved all of those versions pretty much equally. Uh, I really like the Sony Hawks games. I've always enjoyed them as like a arcadey sport game. Um, I enjoy skateboarding games. I like a lot of the music that's in the games. Uh, it's a real shame that the Sony Hawks franchise has kind of fell apart over the years and is nowhere near where like it, what it used to be. You know, Tony Hawks Pro Skater Two specifically is always in people's top like 20 lists from in video you know when you see like the top 20 video games of all time or whatever it's very very frequently in there and now like the most recent games are just absolute garbage so uh, i've always really enjoyed those games though they've been a lot of fun over the years and uh, i enjoyed growing up just pouring hours and hours and hours into trying to perfect uh the tricks i like the skate games as well that are more a more mm. realistic take on skateboarding, but uh, Tony Hawk always wins out for me. I once once found Julian and his friend, um, speaking of them playing video games together, uh, taking turns at a Tony Hawk game, and they're literally just um, basically jumping a skateboard off the edge of a building and falling yep. to their death Straight. over and yeah. over and over again, it's really and good. just laughing. Yeah. It was hilarious. Um, let me pick uh, an iOS game. I recently finished... Alto's Odyssey played mm. that all the way through. More than adventure, you prefer it to adventure. Yeah, the second, the second one, right? Yeah, yeah, I prefer the second one to the original. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more. There's more. Yeah. It's it's more it's uh, 
And the the original, I never played through to conclusion, and this one I played through to conclusion. I felt like, also, some of this is, I felt like I was I was really good at this game, and a mm-hmm. lot of the games I play, I feel like I'm terrible at it, and I'm not among the top, you know, 80% of players. And Alto's Odyssey, I felt like I'm among the top 5% you can stand, of players of this game. You can stand tall in that game. Yeah, and I, I, and I got to the end, and I got to the end fairly quickly, I think, and I was really good. And all my friends who were playing it are like, oh, my God, what happened? Like, how do you have that score? And I was like, you'll get there, right? Like, you'll, you'll figure it out. And, and um, But it was delightful to play. It was sort of, sort of relaxing but also challenging. And then the way it ended was, was, uh, was beautiful, right, where you get to the last one. And the last thing I had to do was basically was just ride for a day or ride for two days or something like that, which is in the game. You see the sunset. You see the sunrise, right? Um, and I had done the get huge number of points as my next to last challenge. And the last challenge was just ride a long time. And that was great. Cause like at that point, riding a long time is not the issue. Like if you can get the points, you can ride for a long time. You, you dial it back. You don't have to try as hard to get mm-hmm. points and you can just ride for a long time. And it led to a really wonderful experience of like a long ride. I get to spend time with this game kind of like one last time go out um have a really nice run and then the game is over and then i closed it and i was like that was perfect and i was done um but i loved the whole experience of it it was uh, beautiful sounds great i love both those games but odyssey is the one that i i really got to experience as somebody who figured out how to play the game and uh, could play it really well so i mentioned that i loved open world games where you got to make your own game right i mentioned that was zelda the game where I learned to do this was Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Um, Vice City is and will probably always be my favorite in the Grand Theft Auto series. Um, I love the setting. You know, I loved the kind of 80s setting. The graphics, were, everything was really awesomely colored, right? It's all like pastel and neon. Um, I loved the music in the game. This was the first time that they licensed music for a Grand Theft Auto game. And it was incredible. They just had loads of really great 80 songs and they made these great uh, radio stations. There was one I think I listened to, it was called Emotion, and it was just amazing. It had such great songs in it. Songs that have become some of my favorite songs now. Like I loved that, that, that the track list that they had. Um, and I would just, most of the, once I completed the game, I spent probably at least a year continuing to play the game afterwards just driving around and like picking a thing i wanted to go and do and just doing it like making my own objectives driving around for a while seeing a thing exploring a thing um i really really love this game uh i i really hope that one day they they actually remake this game i think it's of all of the grand theft autos like the the older ones i feel like it's one that they could really would be really amazing if they spent the time now to to bring it up to modern standards um so yeah that's that's that was that's my favorite and one of one of my favorite games of all time very easily is grand theft auto vice city all right i'm gonna go and again uh feeling a lot of mentions of john syracuse in this episode but he's the one who raved and raved and raved about journey Mm -hmm. it's the reason that i bought a ps3 (laughs) um it's great i mean he's right it is an, a spectacular yep. game. It is. Um, it is beautiful to look at. It, the sound design is beautiful. The music is beautiful. The uh, It's easy to play, 
but there are challenges that make that engage your brain. It isn't very long, but it's wonderful. It is one of the only games that is linear that I have replayed because I wanted to have that experience again. I know people do that. I don't do that. And I did it with Journey a couple of times because it's a very beautiful and sort of special experience. So, um, you know, the... The, you know, he's right. John Syracuse is right. Uh, Journey is uh, one of my favorite games of all time. And I will listen to the soundtrack. And not only is the music beautiful, but the music makes me remember the parts of the game where the music played, which is, I think, uh, for for me, it's the only time I've ever done that with a video game soundtrack. It's, a wonderful, it's just a wonderful experience. Um, it really is kind of like the standard bearer for that experience game. Um, journey is really, really amazing. Uh, I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction and pick Uncharted 4. Um, Uncharted is a series, an almost action series, uh, akin to something like Tomb Raider, but with really incredible cinematic sequences. Um, Uncharted 4 is like part video game, part action movie. It really is just excellent. I love the story. It has a really great story in it um, with lots of twists and turns. The graphics are incredible. The acting is incredible. Uh, it really takes you along for the ride. It is excellent. If if you have a PlayStation 4 and you have not played Uncharted 4, do yourself the, the kindness uh, of buying and playing that game. It is wonderful. It's really, really good. All right. I am going to go to uh, the PlayStation 1. Okay. The second video game console that I ever had, the first being the original Atari 2600. And you know, I am I'm a sports fan. I like sports. I generally don't like video games. And so, um they the the goal, the drive in most sports video games is you know, simulation as close to reality as possible. Not interested. Not interested in arcade simulation where you got to kick a soccer ball around it or you got to swing the bat and judge the fastball or the softball or whatever whatever it is. Forget about that. Instead, the game that it turns out, the sports game that I love the most as an arcade game is NFL Blitz 2000. So there's your date. A completely unrealistic football game where you could choose plays and uh. you could hit people and you could hit people after they were down and nobody cared and the referees didn't flag you. And it was, it was just, it's arcade football. And so it bore, bore no resemblance to regular football, but so much fun to play against a friend, especially. Um, and uh, and like I did NBA that a lot Jam, on PS. Which is a game that I've played, which is similar. Yes. It's like, it is a basketball game. But it is not a basketball simulation game. They have those games. NBA yes, Jam is right. not This that. is not that. Yeah. This is just a ridiculous, fun... Yes, that is exactly, exactly the idea. So, NFL Blitz 2000. 2000. Uh, for, the, for the PS1, yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick Stardew Valley next. Oh, man, Stardew Valley. What a just... Just a wonderful game. I love Stardew Valley so much. It is a farming slash relationshipy simulator. It's like a cross between Animal Crossing and Harvest Moon. Um, Stardew Valley will take from you every minute you want to give it, and then some more. It's just absolutely enthralling. I love it. Um, I'm going to make another... We, we are talking about video games, so I'll make another plug for a video game-related thing that I do. 
um, playing for fun, which is the show that I mentioned earlier where we're talking about Zelda next, we have a Twitch uh, stream that we do. We have a Twitch Twitch channel. And right now we are streaming the multiplayer uh, update of playing for fun. So me and Tiff are playing Stardew Valley together. Um, if that interests you, we have some videos you can go and watch there and you can follow so you'll be notified next time we play. Stardew Valley, man, it is just like... It's a it's a lifestyle like that thing will just get into your bones and like you all you want to do is play Stardew Valley. It's just superb. I love it so much. All right, I'm going to go with um, I, what I just said about sports games is how I don't want them arcade games. I don't want them to be realistic like Madden. I bought many different versions of Madden football. Um, I bought baseball games. Uh, it just it doesn't work for me once the, it gets to be like the simulation look i was bad at sports right so it's like can you do you have the reflexes to hit a baseball no i don't stop reminding me right uh so nfl blitz was great because it was super unrealistic uh the my favorite uh ba- baseball game of all time was the apple II game called uh ssi computer baseball which was uh, you were just the manager and you could input teams, you could input players, you could save the teams out on discs, you could play them against each other. And it was a statistical simulation. The graphics were incredibly rudimentary, even for the Apple II, if I'm being honest. But you could pinch hit and you could set your lineups and you could bunt and you could do, you could set your defense and you could do all of those things. And then the players would execute on the field, uh, kind of connected to statistics. And then the updated version of this, which I've also played a lot, although not recently, is called Diamond Mind, which is is a Windows app that is the modern equivalent of this, where it's like ultra simulated and you can buy season discs that have like every team that played in a particular season and you can have them play against each other. Or you can like draft your own teams and make your own league, which a friend of mine and I did. And that was a lot of fun too. So baseball simulation stuff, nerdy stuff. uh, Don't make me hit the fastball because I can't hit it. All right, let's make our last picks. Uh, I'm going to pick Portal. Portal is just uh, one of the I greatest this. puzzle games it, ever it made. It is one of the greatest games ever, and I can't yeah. believe I didn't put it on my list. It is incredible. It's like, it's just such a great puzzle game. And born in such an interesting way is just part of an, like a three-in-one pack that uh, Valve put out. And it, it is, you know, you, you have a gun that can shoot portals and you have to traverse through the environment. You have to get from the beginning to the end of a room and everything that entails with shooting a portal here and then shooting one over there and trying to find your way from point A to point B. It really is just a mind-bending, wonderful experience. Like I love portals so much. And I'm going to conclude with an absolutely ridiculous choice, <laughs> which is which is Superman for the Atari 2600. Okay. Now, if you look at this game, you'll be like, what? There's like a blob and then there's some other blobs. It's like, okay. Oh, no. It was the Atari 2600. It looked really bad. But what it was is you're Superman and you got to fly around and you got to save various people and you got to stop Lex Luthor. And I don't remember all the details, but it was like a whole series of things you did. And you didn't even get a score. It was a time. If you got to the end... The whole idea was uh, that you you could, what was your time? And the reason I pick it, not because it's a good game, not because I've, I, I have played it since 1981, because I'm, I'm certain I haven't. Um, it's because it was the first video game I ever mastered. I could win Superman in a minute 
five or something like that, which again, I'm confident that I was one of the best players of this game in the world. Maybe top 5%, top 10%. I'm not saying I was the best. I'm sure somebody out there was like, oh yeah, but you can win Superman in 58 seconds. But it was the game where once I figured out how you beat it, I, and this is super rare for me, I know people do this, but completely rare for me, I kept replaying it and shaving off time and figuring out you could just do this and this and this and this and this and this and and be done. And so it was the very first video game that I felt like I mastered and again, once I got to that minute or whatever, I just, I never played it again. Um, but my friend Greg, when he was, when he found all his Atari cartridges in his attic and was getting rid of all of them, he had heard me talk about this game and he, uh, he sent me the cartridge. So I have the cartridge just not, not to play it, just to, it just amuses me every time I see it. I'm like, oh yeah, Superman on the Atari 2600. I was really good at that. And uh, it fills me full of warm feelings. And I had to pick an Atari 2600 game because that was how I started playing video games. That was the one where I had to convince my parents it wasn't going to break the TV to hook up a video game console to a television and uh that was my entry into the world of video games just do some cursory googling and you seem to be very good like some i think the fastest speed run that i can see was 51 seconds yeah see that's 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 exactly right so i i was in the minute minute five kind of range and it looks like yeah that that's i mean i will tell you i optimized (laughs) I'm I'm yeah, fairly confident that you could not get it done. It's like those those famous speedrun things where they're like, this is actually impossible. This score you're claiming it's it can't be done on the original hardware. Well, it was a little bit like that. Like I knew where every single thing was, and I couldn't, you know. And that was that was really cool as a kid, especially. Like uh, I feel this way about why do kids dive deep into lots of stuff um, that that are you know their area of expertise. One reason kids do that is because the world is big and strange and complicated and they can't understand it, but they can they can become really good at something and it gives you a good feeling. And so for that brief moment in time, I was the master of Superman for the Atari 2600. I hope you have enjoyed hearing about our favorite video games. We should do some hashtag ask upgrade before we wrap up today. Um, this is still the summer of fun here on Upgrade. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create the website that you want to make for your next idea or project. You can grab a unique domain name. You can take advantage of and customize beautiful award-winning templates and have everything backed up with 24-7 customer support. This is why Squarespace is the fantastic platform that you need for your next site. They are an all-in-one platform, in fact. You don't have to worry about anything with Squarespace. They will uh, take care of everything for you. No installation, no upgrades, no security patches, nothing. They've got it covered for you. And they have all the functionality that you're going to want too. No matter what type of website you want to build, they have the tools for it. If you want to create a blog, easy to do. A portfolio for your website for your art, sorry, a art portfolio to show off your work, easy to do. An online store, easy to do. You want to create a site for your uh, restaurant, guess what? That's easy to do too. Their plans start at just $12 a month. You can start a trial today with no credit card required. Just go to squarespace.com slash upgrade. Then when you sign up, use the offer code upgrade to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash upgrade and the code upgrade to get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, it is time for hashtag ask upgrade. And our first question today, thank you, comes from L. 
Um, L says, I know it's ill-advised to log on to your bank whilst using public Wi-Fi or to, you know, just to be careful when you're using public Wi-Fi because you never know what people might be looking at. Uh, Does opening an application via Face ID make it inherently any more secure? Uh, No. (laughs) I'm sorry to say that, but Face ID ID is just unlocking the saved password on your app. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the app is doing its usual thing. I will say, I would doubt that any banking app is not doing everything encrypted. And if you you're so, doing you? everything encrypted, then you should be okay. So I would I would say I don't think Face ID makes a difference there, though. Because Face ID, what it's really just doing is instead of having you put in your password or do Touch ID, I mean, it basically is saying, okay, we will make it easier for you to enter your password or we'll we'll save your password but only if it's got extra levels because they don't want any random person opening your phone and and logging into your banking app so face id has sort of allowed people to do uh have more confidence but in the end you know face id is just unlocking a saved password in the app yeah i mean you should always exercise caution you know when you're using public wi-fi you know if this kind of thing is a concern to you but yeah as jason says it's Whilst Face ID is potentially more secure than a just typing in a PIN code, it doesn't inherently protect the information or what's being sent over Wi-Fi any more than anything else does. Um, but it is a good question. Um, and it kind of along the same kind of lines, our next question comes from Robin. And Robin says, in light of Apple's privacy efforts, could you see the possibility of Apple launching its own integrated VPN service? Feels like it would go a long way with privacy and ads and bad practices by applications, if possible, on that scale. Can you imagine a world in which Apple may create a VPN? No, I can't. Okay. Um, the overhead required would seem enormous, especially at the scale that Apple operates. And VPNs can be, you know, they're useful, but they're also, um, like, the experience is not great. Like, you, am I on? Am I not on? Uh, there are slowdowns when you're on a VPN. Um, I just, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, it's like, I can see how you would get there because it feels like something that fits a lot of what Apple would like to do, you know, with privacy and stuff by helping you protect your internet traffic. But the pure scale required to take care of something like that when they would probably want to enable it for default by default, right? Because that's kind of their idea. It would just be too much. I don't think anybody could do it at at, at that type of scale. It just feels like yeah. too much. Um, Parker says, I use a HomeKit button to set off different scenes around nighttime when going to bed. Do you know if there will be a way to set off Siri shortcuts in a similar way using a button? I don't think that's going to be possible, right? Yeah, I think the impression... Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Siri uh, shortcut HomeKit support is... um, is questionable already, mm-hmm. but sort of like set off a shortcut tied to a button. I can't. Yeah, I don't think that's. It's thing. not. It's not completely impossible, but I think your phone would have to be included somewhere along the way. Like you might be able to press a button that then gives you a notification to open your phone, right? But I can't imagine. Well, it's definitely not in this first version. Can they yeah. run without some kind of interface with a device? 
it is a nice idea. I would love it, but I don't see it in the future. Yeah, and I don't think the HomeKit, because the Home app on Mojave is going to be the, one of these new kind of apps, it's not scriptable in any real way. Because uh, what I was going to say is you could probably, there's probably some button that you could use that was attached, you know, uh, linked wirelessly or something with your Mac. And that when you press the button, it runs a script on the Mac that clicks the right thing on the Home app. But it would be super janky. And I just don't think that's... Uh, I, I just don't think that's going to, or I mean, HomeKit aside, like running a Siri shortcut on iOS, is just like via hardware. I just don't, it's not a thing. Lex asks, okay, your choice, camera bump on the back of your phone or notch on the front of your phone. Which do you dislike more and would rather have gone from the next iPhone? You can choose. You either have a phone with no camera bump, but it has a notch or you keep the camera bump and remove the notch. Oh, wow. Um, well, it depends on how pretend we want to be here because the fact is that I don't love the camera bump, but the camera bump is what gives us better pictures. And I wouldn't want to have a camera that wasn't as good. Let's, for the fun of this, for the fun of this, let's assume that the there is absolutely no change. So the camera yeah. still gets better or, you know, the face ID still gets better or whatever. So my next question would be, is the iPhone 10 that is going to come out still so so slippery that I'm more likely going to put a case on it? Because the thing is, the case eliminates the camera bump. The leather yep. case, yep. there's no camera bump. And so if I'm still going to have it in the leather case, I don't feel the camera bump. I don't worry about it. And then I would go with the notch, But even though the notch doesn't bother me. But all things being equal, I would say I would um, neither of them bother, bother me immensely. Um, I would probably choose the notch, but I, neither of them to keep me that or much. to get rid of. To get rid of, okay, just because it would be more notch. beautiful without mm-hmm. it. But um, I could go either way. So my initial feeling was keep the notch, get rid of the camera bump because I have no problem with the notch. But I wish the camera bump wasn't there because it makes the phone uneven. But then I remembered that I use a case, so it doesn't make a difference. And yeah. I'm probably always going to use a case on my iPhone because I want to protect it in case I drop it. So then, yes, get rid of the notch because then I get more screen and I get a benefit from it. So I think we're both in agreement. Whilst I have absolutely no problem, I actually quite like the way the phone looks with the notch. Uh I would get rid of it because the camera bump doesn't ever cause me a problem in my day-to-day life because I'm a case person. Finally today, Brandon asks, do you think that this will be the year that the higher tier iPhones will have some kind of Apple Pencil support? If the uh, iPhones, the the bigger models are like the rumors say, and they're going to be up to like 6.5 inches with what could be the iPhone 10 plus in screen size, then that would uh, definitely be fantastic as a as a differentiator. So, what do you, I I think it's I always think it's possible. Uh, I think it's possible that you could see it on the on the bigger phones. There is an interesting thing to me where. If they were going to do this, what phones would they put it on? Because if you put it on like the successors to the iPhone 10, then you end up with the iPhone 10 successor and the iPhone 10 Plus. But then the LCD screen is supposedly bigger than the iPhone 10 screen. And wouldn't it make more sense to put Apple Pencil support on the bigger iPhones? So like I mm-hmm. I feel like you would only put it on the, the biggest one or you wouldn't do it at all, uh, which yeah. is which is weird for me to think about. Um, 
But then I also, one of the reasons I picked this question is purely because I just wanted to mention the Galaxy Note 9, which we mentioned earlier, was was unveiled last week. And they did a bunch of really interesting things with the with the S Pen. So the Galaxy Note 9 is the one that comes with a stylus, um, which is embedded into the phone so it pops out. But this is the first time that they've added kind of smarts to it. It now has Bluetooth. So here, here are a few, few things you can do with the uh, Note 9 stylus, the S Pen. Uh, you can click on the button that it has to play some play or pause music. You can take a photo with it on the selfie camera. So you can take a photo and then also switch to the selfie camera and then use the button as like a kind of a remote. Um, you can change slides in a presentation. You can start and stop the recorder app. You can cycle through photos in the gallery. Um, you can use it to play and press music with Bluetooth headphones or whatever. Um, I don't know why you do that exact one, but they also have like allowed for developers to use the the buttons that are on there. It's two buttons, one at the top and one on the side, for to create functions in their own applications as well. So there are a lot of functions that this thing gets. I like the selfie camera one where you could hold the phone really far, like far away from you and then click with the S Pen to take pictures. So they're doing a lot of interesting stuff with it. Um, and I hope that if Apple ever were to make something for the iPhone, that it would have some more interesting function to it. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that. I think it's cool. And I actually wrote a thing on Tom's guide, which we can put in the show notes about mm-hmm. um, about sort of jumping off from the Galaxy Note and thinking about the next iPhone, especially this iPhone 10 Plus idea. And I do think it's a possibility, like you do, that um, on something like an iPhone 10 Plus, a fancy, high-end, even bigger iPhone 10, that doing Apple Pencil support on that might be a possibility. They would need to make a new pencil because the Apple Pencil is huge. But like if you've got a huge phone, having the ability to use something like the pencil or like the crayon from Logitech, like something like that on those devices, maybe. Like why not? It's sort of my feeling. It's like if somebody wants to write on their on their big iPhone or draw or whatever, why not let them? Um it's going to be an add-on. They're not going to like I think embed a pencil in the iphone or anything like that but uh i think it will happen eventually that they'll do that and maybe that would be one of the differentiators of the iphone 10 plus would be um would be pencil support in some form i would love it it would be great Uh, just out of interest do you know who the tom is at tom's guide is there a tom I think there was a Tom who did Tom's hardware a long time ago. And no, uh, no, it's just the brand. Tom's and the brand it, now. It's a brand. Yes, Tom, there is a Tom. Thomas Pabst was the founder in, of, in 1996 of Tom's hardware. So there was a Tom. Thanks, Tom. At one time. Thanks, Tom. If you'd like to find our show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 206. And if you go to that site, if you go to that page, you can find our uh, links there to become a Relay FM member and support this show. And don't forget, we're going to play our Space Station trailer for you so you can get an idea as to what the upgrade slash Cortex member special is going to sound like. Um, so you can know what you're going to get before you buy. Trust me, though, you will enjoy it. Uh, it is a, it is as fun as they always are, if not more so. Uh, you can find Jason online at sixcolors.com, and he is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L on Twitter. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to Squarespace, Instabug, and Backblaze for their support of this week's episode, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, everybody.
Gray, Mike, welcome to Space Station. You wake up inside the cramped confines of a cryosleep capsule. You're still in your service uniform and have a world-class headache. A hypo-injector rests on a countertop just within reach. Okay, let's inject ourselves straight in the heart with the injector. Let's not let's not be very specific about where it's going to go. Let's just let the Snellatron decide where that ends up being. Okay. There is one thing we haven't checked. Like, are we human? Do we know this? We don't know this. Yeah. You could you could examine yourself if you want. Yeah, examine ourselves. You are wearing the regulation green technician's uniform, marking you as a member of the Planetary Action Research Science Exploration Corps, or PARSEC. And yes, you are a human being. You figured that out when you injected yourself with the hypo-injector. We only know what we think we know. Now you know your uniform is green. There is a robot here. Look at robot. You see a dog-sized robot designed to perform repetitive or dangerous tasks. The name Froz, F-R-O-Z, is laser etched into its skin. Say, hello, Froz. Froz beeps and flashes its lights and twitches its mechanical arms. It's adorable. (laughs) I knew it would be. Mike, I've got four words for you. Never give up, never surrender. Okay. Oh, a Snellatron. How many safe slots do we have? You have three safe slots, as always. Mike, don't you dare. We've done nothing. Nothing has happened. I agree with Gray in this case. You've literally just wandered around and I learned things save. and picked up a couple of I things. I just All wanted right. to know. Okay. All right. <laughs> you can see the mysterious Death World. Whoa. Some kind of alien warship is positioned nearby. All right, what else? Is there anything else in the room? Oh, I'm sorry. Does the view of the death world not... Is that not enough for you, Mike? Yeah, but I can't do anything with that. Mike, what I lack in knowledge, I make up for with confidence. (laughs) Incoming message. Unknown language. Please input language to translate. Input Freleon. It translates the message. Attention humans, surrender space station or be destroyed with gravity cannon. I'm very nervous about this game. Right. Because... It all seems pretty simple. The Freleon warship attacks the space station with a gun that fires black holes. The end. Oh. You have died. Can we press the launch button on the escape pod with the mop? No, you can't. <laughs>